I would tell you this. If you're transitioning, don't fear it. What made you successful in the military will make you wildly successful in the corporate world. Believe in you. Know what makes you different. Don't quit. Choose not to live in a world of filters. Realize your mistakes. Set the foundation for your success. Get some wins. Knucklehead Podcast. Well, George, welcome to Knucklehead Podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. Hey, I really appreciate you having me. Looking forward to this. Should be fun. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it too. You, you and I are kind of in the same shoot of music. We're, we're excited to have you here. So for those of you who are brand new to the Facebook group or brand new to the Facebook page, allow me just a second here to introduce not only myself, but I want to introduce George. So for those of you who are unfamiliar with this process, we're not like a whole lot of other podcasts. We're not like a whole lot of other business information services that are out there. We want to tell you the unspoken rules, almost the unwritten rules, the things that you screw up, the things that you mess up. And quite frankly, what doesn't happen on the, the Facebook ads, the, you know, the billboards, really the conversations behind the closed doors when it relates to the conference rooms and the questions that most people have, there's where some intense conversations can take place. In your screw-ups and your mess-ups, your mistakes, those things can cost you. And we just want to make sure that we share those with you as a way to kind of avoid the, I don't want to call them landmines, but that's kind of what they are. One of my buddies, he's a veteran empowerment transition vet coach and training CEO. He's, he's fantastic. His name is Chris Hoffman. What Chris does is Chris has a funny way of describing these things as, as landmines. And that's why I wanted to mm-hmm. have George on the show. George, he kind of runs in circles. I don't want to pigeonhole into this, this circle, but from how we came acquainted, I highly respect Mike Sorelli and all the things that that organization over at Echelon Front and EF Overwatch are doing. That's how we became acquainted. And I had the opportunity to have a 20-minute conversation with you. And my head was spinning for a week afterwards because of the stuff that you shared with me, George. So I really Thanks. appreciate you taking the time. I'm very excited about what this message is going to do for, you know, not only our audience, but also giving you some, uh, an opportunity to give back to the veteran community. Just you're a wealth of information as it relates to all things kind of global HR related, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I I appreciate you having me on. You know, when I I met Mike about a year ago, um, you know, phenomenal guy. Now we're partners and now I'm a strategic advisor at Overwatch and, uh, you know, that guy's just, you know, it was a very serendipitous meeting. So the two of us are really charting a, a course Mach 2 ahead in this space. And, and it's good just to be given back to veterans. It's good to be working with veterans again. I, you know, I still do, but now I'm going to go back at it full time and I can't wait. Well, it's, it's fortuitous that we would have this, this particular meeting. And when I say fortuitous, Sometimes that's not the right way to put it because it means that somebody else had to screw up. Somebody else had to make a mistake in order for there to be, you know, something to talk about. So it's not quite fortuitous. It is, though, nice to have uh, somebody with your expertise to say, hey, listen, you're going to screw this thing up. When it comes to the transition, you've seen enough people screw up. You've seen enough circumstances. You had enough of those kind of sweaty palm conversations as it relates to somebody's mm-hmm. career. Taking the lowest hanging fruit or taking what's the most readily available hasn't always worked the best for veterans. And I can fall in that category, right? And I know that you've probably got a few stories of something like that taking place. And I don't want to be presumptuous, but I can just assume that that's that's probably the case. Would you agree or disagree with that? Uh, I I would agree. It's a funny, we... uh... You know, we just designed these T-shirts for my talent acquisition team, and we were, we were trying to come up with phrases. And it says, you know, it says talent acquisition on the front and the back. It says, I'm a recruiter. Nothing shocks me anymore. 
<laughs> Isn't it funny that when it comes to just the topic of employment, everybody wants to get very proper, very quick. And, and when I say employment, I'm talking about, you know, this is what I do with my career. This is, this is, and, and all of a sudden, instead of going from this, I'm just trying to figure this out. Now, all of a sudden, everybody's an expert. And quite frankly, that's, oh. what, got, that's, that's what got me in trouble. I'll just be honest with you. So just, just real quick, I, what I want to do is I want to share this, this story. And then I want to segue into some questions. Yeah. That's all right. So, you know, we started this, this idea, this Knucklehead Podcast is really just a way to help high performers, sales leaders, you know, individuals that, that really just want to get ahead. Mm-hmm. We started this as a way to say, hey, listen, there's not one of us that's got this all figured out. And, and right. why, is, why is that important? Well, I was, a, I was self-employed. One of my corporate clients had introduced me to a gentleman who was building out a sales team. In that instance, what ended up happening was, is I was employee number you know, three at this new technology startup for a, uh, for a business. I'll just leave it, leave it at that. People mm-hmm. can go to my LinkedIn if they want to you know, reverse engineer the process here. But the fact is, is through that kind of startup process, we ended up generating millions of dollars in revenue through building a sales team. Uh, accessing different channels, right? And that is a high mm-hmm. pressure, high stress environment where there's a lot of hooking and jabbing taking place. And so internal politics is a game that was being played that I was just unaware of. And if I'm going to mm-hmm. be playing a game as a Marine, you're going to lose. I'll just put it to you that yeah. way. <laughs> well, it turns out there was somebody in, the, in a different department, it just so happened to be HR, that you know I felt as if wasn't being as completely forthcoming. And it, it kind of made me look a little bad to the guy that I was working for. And I flipped. I, as a matter of fact, I got so upset, uh, I confronted her. But then I also s- uh, sent a, a text message to my wife about exactly how I felt about how, what this person was doing. About mm-hmm. an hour went by and I hadn't, I hadn't got a message back. Turns out I actually texted that, that HR person as opposed to my wife. And yeah. that's, that, <laughs> therefore, we have a knucklehead moment. So that's what led to the genesis of you got to be able to, uh, what I call, put pins in the pressure cloud. You put pins in the pressure cloud by being able to have conversations like this to say, you're going to screw this up. You're going to have a whole heck of a lot of pressure. You don't Mm -hmm. always have to be on your A game when it comes to uh, interacting with folks in the office. And I wanted to set the foundation for veterans who are going from military, maybe they're frontline. Now they're kind of seasoned in their career. They're they're going to that next step. What has Mm -hmm. been your experience as a as the global head of talent over at at a business and also being a strategic advisor at Echelon Front? Excuse me, if Overwatch, how does that work for you, and how have you seen vets screw that up? Uh, well, you know, first of all, I'm one of those people that, you know, I was a veteran, and I kind of came through the process, and you don't know what you don't know. And military people, we're all, we're, we're our own harshest critic. We're expecting that, okay, we're going to do something. It's going to be mocked to with our ass on fire, balls to the wall. We're going to get it right. You know, and then we, we don't know what we don't know, and things happen. It's one of the reasons why if I had a vote in the world with Bill Gates, that I would take the reply all button off of email because I can't count the number of knucklehead moments where I've, you know, I've said, you know, this person's lost their mind. Why did we hire them? And then hit reply all, you know, and then didn't, then didn't delete the email chain below it. So the person was on the list and got to know what everybody thought along with me. So I didn't just do a knucklehead moment that left me standing there. It was, you know, I took a bunch of people down with me because misery loves company. So veterans do a ton of thing wrong. It, it just kind of depends and it's completely okay. And, you know, but if, if I were to talk about one thing that I really wish that I would see veterans see, you know, if we're just talking about employment, it's, it's the assimilation piece. Okay. You know, when people get into a company, 
everybody, whether you're coming from another company to a new company, you bring a lot of that with you. And you know, what's funny about the military is that, I mean, you and I've heard it. How many NCOs, how many officers have told us, don't assume, don't assume. But people bring those military values and that military ethos and the implied loyalty and the implied trust, the people that you're working with on your team, and they, they bring that into corporate America. So their situational awareness is kind of gone because they're expecting kind of the same things. And that's where you run into missing the politics, that you think your job's going to be 24-7. It's not. This is what you do to pay the bills generally. So it's not everything in your world. And you don't share as much personal stuff. So, uh, you know, a big mistake, and, it, and it's not wholesale. I don't like to generalize too much, but it's very common where they, they think that coming into, you know, the civilian world, that the same things that they take for granted, they're going to see in the corporate world. But it's a different subset of people and they grew up differently and they grew up in the world of politics. They grew up in the world of social media. They, they grew up where in many times where it wasn't a pure meritocracy. Now I know people get promoted in the military that you got to scratch your head and wonder who's on the selection board at some point. I get that. But generally speaking, you and I, we both judge people like, Hey man, how good are you? Do you have my back? Do you shoot straight? Do you run hard? Do you, do you drive hard? And we judge people like that. And so, you know, it's just different. When they carry that over, sometimes it, it's just that assimilation process that they got to be more open to, more eyes open, situational awareness just really heightened. I think it's interesting to hover over that topic just for a second. And then I know that we, yeah. we've kind of talked over this a little bit as it relates to velocity between stages. So, for instance, global workforce planning and the ability mm -hmm. to say, hey, listen, I've got a, I've got a growth goal. What I want to do is I want to go out there and I'm speaking from a, a standpoint of a, of a go-getter, right? Somebody who's, mm -hmm. who's saying, I see a, an opportunity in the market and I want to go after it. Not only do I want to go after it, what mm -hmm. I want to do is I want to go and make sure that we do not lose out to the competition here. And so mm -hmm. what goes through those conversations when all of a sudden over the last few years, there's been a lack of performance or you've seen veterans not handle that transition very well? What goes through the mind of somebody whenever start, people start going, you know what, I, I don't know if we want to take a risk on maybe an unproven commodity in the workforce. They, they performed on behalf of the country, but because of that assimilation process, what, what goes through the minds of, of people who make those decisions? You know, it's when we're, you know, we're selecting vets for hiring or when, you know, a great example is what Mike and I have done and what I've done standing up veterans programs is convincing people to take a bet. And it's a very safe bet on the attributes that veterans have. But the, the mistake that companies make is they don't invest in those veterans. They're like, okay, we're doing our good deed in the world. We're hiring veterans. You know, we're, we're hiring veterans with some challenges. You know, we're doing our part. I mean, everybody wants to hire veterans. But once they get in the door, they don't invest in them in a separate way. They don't harness that drive. They don't harness that piece of putty to shape it the way that they could. Veteran hiring seems to end generally. There's a couple of companies that do it really well, but end on about day five of orientation. And then you're, you're left to the wolves. You're, you're left to what you learn and how fast you assimilate and how fast you pick up, how fast you perform, how fast you execute. So, you know, companies don't do a good job of taking the best traits of, of very driven soldiers, airmen, marines, sailors, 
they just don't invest in that leadership. And Mike and I are actually working on a project about that, about, you know, hiring for that leadership and then investing it in vets once you get in. You know, that's the big thing that if we could do anything better about hiring vets, once we get them to hire vets is to invest in them. Yeah, and it doesn't that, take much. It's, it's, almost, it's almost solely because of the assimilation process of what you're talking about. The environment, it, it's largely changing the dynamics of their, and, mm. and the way that they're using to work and specifically the relationship that they have with work. Is that what I'm hearing or is, did I not hear that correctly? No, you, you got it right. And military people generally, if they know the mission and know the why, they're generally self-directed, self-driven. It's, when you don't explain the why to somebody that's coming in new to the workforce and you don't explain the mission and their part in that grander success, meaning you don't get an operations order when you walk into a company. You're usually trying to find all the paragraphs of the op order, the who, what, when, where, and why, and what the hell am I doing? And so if we invested more in that and turned it into, okay, here's the mission of the company. This is how we do it. Here are the connecting parts. Here are the supporting parts. You know, here's what's necessary. Here's, here's the units on your left and right that you need to be working with. If we were to do something like that and translate it to military language, veterans would accelerate faster. I think veterans, when they get in wholesale, do an amazing job. The learning curve right now for them is very steep and it tends to be also tall. What we have to do is make it less tall, a shorter learning curve. It'll still be steep but make it less tall. Have you ever asked yourself why you haven't started a podcast? Well, I already know the reason, so do you. You don't feel like you're tech savvy. You don't feel like you got your message wired tight. And quite frankly, it's just, it's all this mystification going on. Quite frankly, uh, our process helps to demystify that. We're push button for podcasts, we're knucklehead. Why knucklehead? Well, we lead with the fact that you don't know what you're doing. We do, we've been there. We've actually been in your shoes. We take your spoken voice. We literally give a human voice to your website. You want to bring dead leads to life? Well, then you need to talk to Knucklehead. Essentially, what we're going to do is we're going to take you through our process and we're going to help take your human voice and increase the process for you going from dead leads to life. How do I, how do, I do that? Well, you essentially just take your human voice, put it in a directory and let people consume more of you. Give your audience the ability to Netflix on you. They want to binge watch you. They want to binge listen. Give them the ability to take your voice along on that commute with them. So you can get in touch with us, Stephen at Knucklehead Podcasts, or if you've got a really cool story, stories at Knucklehead Podcasts. You can find us on LinkedIn and on Facebook at Knucklehead Promotions LLC and get in touch with us. Don't be a beta about the process. Don't let the fact that you don't know prevent you from getting some wins. So don't be a beta, get some wins and contact us today. See you. There's a lot of the road to frustration is lined with good intentions or the road to failure is lined with good intentions, right? So these, there's, there's probably people who put their hand in the cookie jar more than once and it hasn't worked out well for them. And I can think of a couple scenarios where mm-hmm. even myself or somebody else included that they didn't get their story tight enough or they mm-hmm. went through several circumstances where it didn't work out the way that they wanted to, yet they weren't willing to just own the fact that they screwed up. I remember sitting down and talking with somebody I had it written down. It was, it was something very clear. And they said, you can tell the hero story. Nobody wants to listen because they're always going to be looking for cracks. Or you can tell the, the sob story of you always screwing up, which quite frankly, nobody wants to listen to that. And quite frankly, nobody cares. Mm-hmm. It's the learner. It's the one where you, you share mm-hmm. what you screwed up that, that makes people want to pay attention more. And almost, you, you almost as if get this internal buy-in from them that, yeah, mm-hmm. we're going to learn together. I may not have it all figured out, but I'm certain 
you maybe, maybe you have a little bit more uh, different perspective here and we can get this done together. Yeah. And you know, what's funny when I teach people how to interview, when I'm coaching, mentoring, or, or working with Overwatch and talking about veterans transitioning, I always tell them the number one thing about applying for a job and interviewing is it's about what you know about yourself. How well do you know yourself? And it's articulating your point that, hey, you know, I accomplished all of these things, but you're going to get asked about your failures. You're going to ask about your shortcomings. And people think, oh, I better make it like something like I'm a workaholic or, you know, um, I work too many hours. I'm an overachiever. Like that's some kind of weakness. No, what they're looking for in the question is actually, what did you try? What did you set your goal as? What did you try? When you didn't make it, what did you do? And what did you learn from it? Did you come back at it? Did you, they just want to know what's driving you. So the more you know about yourself, to your point, they don't want to hear about all the great things you did. You wouldn't be in the door if they didn't think you had potential. And they also don't want to hear the needy person either that says, yeah, I'm, I'm willing to take direction. Yeah, man, I take feedback. Great. I, you know, once you tell me something to correct it once, I never do it again. Well, that's kind of table stakes, you know, we kind of, you know, we don't want to tell you twice. We, that doesn't matter whether you're a veteran. <laughs> we don't want to hear that from any candidate. So what, you know, when I talk to veterans, how well do you know yourself? What's driving you? How are you picking yourself up when you don't reach your goal? How are you reaching goals when you have obstacles in front of you? What makes you different from the person next to you and your approach to your career, your career aspirations? Yeah, I, I think that um, you just touched on a, on a point that brought up a question that I, that I wanted to ask you for a while. Mm -hmm. and, this, and this is when you have a high performer that largely exists in the military, or excuse me, in the civilian world that doesn't have any military training. How do you as a, a global head of HR, how do you view them in terms of their, you know, because the, the way you think about problems or the way that you think about, you know, attacking a problem may be a little bit more oriented to the way that we were trained in the military. How do you delineate between assessing that? I mean, do you do you reference data or scorecards or, or you know, Excel spree? I don't want to, I don't want you to reveal any trade secrets here, but I think it's no this topic. Well, there's there's a couple different things when we look at high performers. Number one is that it, what, whichever organization they're in, hopefully the company you belong to, if it's beyond startup, if it's big enough, if if it's got some level of maturity to it. There's the, you know, the performance management process that everybody has. Military has it. Companies have it. it. It differs. But generally, how well did you do? And within there, there's some kind of KPIs, uh, key performance indicators. There's some metrics. How well, how, how much money did you save? How quickly did you get something done? How far did you exceed your sales quota? What percentage of your pipeline converted? I mean, I could go on and on for the number of metrics that we evaluate. Then there's like succession planning and talent planning that comes up where your leadership group is going to look at all the people and all the high performers and they're going to put them in this thing called a nine box. And it's something I use often and it's very simple. So it's, it's just nine boxes that you could draw it out with a crayon and the vertical axis is performance and the horizontal is potential. And so the further up in the corner. So the idea is, is you're looking at everybody on your team to say, okay, the further up in the right-hand corner, you have all kinds of great things, but all kinds of opportunity. Meaning if they're in the top three blocks, high performance, high potential, are they ready now? Are they six months away? Are they eight months away? And if they're not ready now, what do we need to do to get them to the next level? If they're ready now, 
what happens if we lose them now? They become a flight risk if we don't promote fast enough. How do we gauge our flight risk? How do we plan behind that? Do they have a successor? And then you have, you know, succession planning that comes behind that. Which one of those people in those boxes are ready to replace their boss? We look at them that way. Another yet way to assess talent is there are some companies and sales organizations can usually be good at this. And and if you're a really top-notch company, you're looking at your top performers and you're trying to evaluate their top attributes that are making them successful that align with your culture and then pushing them back down to talent acquisition so you're now sourcing and evaluating new candidates to look like your top performers. But that's kind of an optimized, very mature state. But you have all kinds of levels of assessments for your top performer. Also in the nine box, mind you, if you're at the bottom left, then the question is, is how quick can we exit you? So it works kind of both ways. If you're wow. low performance, low potential. Alternatively, I, w- I would add one more thing on that. If yeah. you're high performance, but your potential is low, you're still high in the box, you may be one of those people that's a subject matter expert. We don't want you leading people or beyond your scope, but we need you, we want you, and we want to reward you with compensation, with equity, you know, with projects, with schooling, all kinds of things, because we need to keep you. And that happens a lot in the tech community, meaning tech people may be brilliant at what they do. We do not need them leading people. <laughs> so, but, but doing an implementation. So, you know, that's one of my favorite assessment tools when, when I look at top performers. Well, it's interesting. You touched on a, uh, a process whenever we had a, a previous conversation about, and I, I remember taking a half page of notes. It was incredible the way that you had almost dissected where things could go wrong. So what was the scenario where the planning process didn't go the way that it was supposed to? (laughs) So the contingencies were then obviously plan A's, right? Mm -hmm. And you know what? It actually ended up working out really, really well, even though you didn't plan it to go that way for the employer, for the workforce, but then also for you. You know, we had one, and this is going to sound, this is kind of going to be a little bit mind-blowing, but it's a good lesson for veterans is that the w- one skill that they never talk about in interviews and the one skill, there's many skills that veterans should be picking up and shouldn't focus on, but collaboration is a big one. How are you communicating, working and leaning on other teams? And so I was uh, the recruiting leader for, it was about half of Hewlett Packard, maybe a little under half, but it was a former EDS. There's about 125,000 people. And, and, the workforce planning, it was one of our first days, workforce planning went out, we signed a great big deal, I won't name the client, but we had to hire 3,000 people. And we had, and this was April, we had to have them on board by end of the year. Nobody but nobody thought it might be the bright idea to include talent acquisition, the people who had to execute that deal. And I came to it late and I was stumped, I was at a bar and a guy says, man, you got a lot of hires coming your way, you gotta do 3,000. He goes, how far along are you? And I said, what are you talking about? And so workforce planning, HR and business development never thought about the person who's responsible. So they had to go back to a very well-known, one of the top five largest banks in the world and explain to them we might have a little trouble hiring 3,000 tech people in 20 different countries. And fortunately, I was on the call and I just said, you know what? Here's the deal. We need an extra month. Let me figure it out. And, and I was just like, well, I'm going to go bet on my team. And we ended up hiring 3,000 in four, about four and a half months. And it worked out. And I swear to God, I would love to tell you it was my genius and my drive. And, 
it played a small part, but I, I happened to run across two or three people in the town acquisition space in Asia Pac who said, if you can find me the money, I can go do this. But I have to really sign some big contracts. And we were able to pull it off. Now, quality of hire, how correct the offers were, how accurate our paperwork process was. I'd say it was another nine to 10 months before we straightened that up and got payroll squared away. Uh, but we had, we had 3,000 butts in seats and we didn't lose the contract. Contract was $2 billion, $2.2 billion contract. Goodness that we would have been in default on. Yeah. That was the year we hired 27,800 on the team. That's incredible. Yeah, it was recruited on steroids. That's exactly, that's exactly, my goodness gracious. What? So congratulations, by the way. Thank you. Good job for pulling that off. And yeah, and- I, I lost a lot of weight, a lot of weight, a lot of sleep, you know, energy drinks, coffee. It might so have been a Xanax or two in there. I don't know. Know. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, those are, those are stories that you tell for another time, right? Uh, so yeah. the, I got I gotta ask, did I hear you correctly? 27,000 people? 830 something. I have it. Yeah. Wow. Uh, so I, I was leading people that are older would remember Ross Bro's company of EDS. Mm-hmm. And so HP acquired it and became enterprise services. And that was our biggest year that we hired. HP was in 96 countries. I don't know how many countries we hired, but yeah, we did 11,000 in the Americas, Canada to Argentina, another seven or eight in EMEA, and then the rest in Asia Pack. And it was, it was record setting. So at any given day, I, I would have about 65, 6,700 open positions that I was watching over. Well, yeah. that's a little bit of pressure there. And pulled it off. So that's, that's something else. Uh, good on you. I don't even know what else to say other than that sounds almost impossible. You accomplished a lot of the impossible, but you also were able to manage some of the chaos on the back end too. Uh, that actually probably comes whether somebody hires 27,000 or just two or three people. There's always gaps in the process, right? But I'll tell you, and you know, I'm certainly now really even cranking up and learning my leadership through stream ownership and dichotomies of leadership, Jocko and Leif's book, which is exceptional and working with Mike, cranking it up even further. But I, I would tell you a lesson that I would share with veterans is that you don't join the army and enlist and then become an officer and think you're going to grow up to be a recruiter. Nobody dreams of that. You know, so it happened accidentally. But the things that made me successful in the military about running missions, operations, whether it was a team of three, a squad, a platoon, a company, or being a brigade plans officer, all those things came to bear in running such a large recruiting organization. The things that made me successful in the military make me successful in corporate America. And that's one of the first things that I tell vets when I'm talking to them. If you can get your arms around that and be able to articulate that, I promise you're going to be successful. Now, we're going to have our knucklehead moments. I I can share a number of them in the interviewing process. I had a veteran. I'll give you one real quick. Veteran. This is the best. And I use it as an example for a better part of a decade to to recruiters and hiring managers when I teach interviewing. So I had this case and we brought in and it was a diversity candidate in, in gender and ethnicity and probably religious background, which was immaterial except for the question. And everybody loved her. She was amazing. I'm glad we brought this candidate in. She happened to be rotund. We'll say that much. And the, and the hiring manager loved her. Was, and, you know, we were ready to hire her. And he said, hey, congratulations. When are you due? And she said, you know, I'm not. So he walks out the door and he's like, hey, George, I, I, I think I effed up. And I'm like, what'd you do? He tells me a story. I'm like, 
okay, breathe deep, composure, go in there. I made her an offer of 10K over what the position offered. I said, everybody loved you. You hammered it just like I thought. I said, I'm going to have a written offer to you. Stick around. You want some coffee? You want some water? And she's like, yay, yay, I get to join. And, and she leaves the building. She's happy. We employ her. And I get legal coming down on me and the head of HR going, you gave this low-level position $10,000 over the position. I said, $10,000 just saved you about $2.7, million in a lawsuit for asking an overweight woman, are you hoping it's a boy? I was like... <laughs> What what oh inspired you to ask that question? <clears throat> yeah, when you look at the merit or the context behind the decision, it makes a whole heck of a lot of sense, you know? Um, whole heck of a lot it of was sense. A, it was a tough day. It was a tough day. I, that was the moment where you're in recruiting, nothing shocks you. You just, you know, react. It's got to be transparent to the candidate, to the hiring manager, just go make it happen, hire her. And it turns out, I mean, she was absent that question she was always she was just the best candidate we ever could have hired and just knocked it out of the park so i was thank god we didn't lose her that's she's amazing so those are the stories that quite frankly whenever you you sit down and you talk with folks those are the stories that carry the most weight the most impactful and, and quite frankly i appreciate you sharing that because that's going to help somebody that's going to help somebody go you know what i think i'm going to access the filter that goes between my brain and my mouth um, yeah i'm, I'm going to instill some discipline and, and decide not to say that so let's wrap with this. I mm -hmm. sincerely appreciate your, you know, yeah. your time and your stories and your candor, uh, your drive, your discipline, and uh, you know the association for sure, George. So let's mm -hmm. wrap with this. I want to hear what's next. Obviously, you're working on some pretty cool things. I don't know how much you can talk about or give some insights as to what's coming, but what's next for George? You know, and then also what's next for for some things that you're working on that you know that you can tell our audience about and be excited about. Well, Mike and I are collaborating on a nice project. I got to keep under wraps for a while. We signed a deal to get it done, but I think it's going to make a major impact both on businesses about how they look at veterans. And it's also going to be great for educating HR and talent acquisition leaders about what they can learn from the military is all I'm going to say from there on leadership and assessment. And I could not ask for a better partner than Mike. Between the two of us, it's, you know, it's best idea wins. Let's, let's get after it. Great partner. And then I think after that, I know, and my boss knows, unfortunately, nobody's here tonight. We're working on hopefully that uh, Mike and I are going to be working together full time. I've spent a lot of time building veterans programs. So meeting Mike, advising Overwatch, this is something I want to do full time. And, and I'll give you real quick the genesis of it. The reason I'm so passionate about vets is when I got out, I'm pre-GWAT. I'm year group 89. I'm giving that away. And so when I got out, all the information that I got, very little of it was actionable. There just weren't the resources. There wasn't LinkedIn when I got out. Uh, there wasn't anybody that could teach me how to bridge the gap between being great, being good, being driven and accomplished in the military and delivering that in corporate America. The only thing I had was a belief in myself. And so I'm kind of determined in, in multiple ways to give back to veterans that way, because I just don't, you know, they're my brothers, they're my sisters, you know, and I owe them something since I figured it out. Now I'm in recruiting. I have this, just this passion to say, okay, let me help you get there. So you're not taking as many scars and as bumps and you can accelerate a whole lot faster because what veterans have to offer the civilian world is invaluable and in many times it's incalculable. And so, you know, for me, I think it's gonna be helping veterans and companies bridge that gap on a full-time basis really soon. And 
nothing would make me happier than that to be my last stop in life to spend my time doing that because, you know, there's not enough people out there, you know, like you, like me, like Mike, that are giving people actionable information that makes a difference. They always want something for it. And, 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 you know, we don't, we just want to make sure that we're taking care of the people. That job didn't end when we exited the military. It continues, I think, until you go to the great beyond. And so I hope that uh, Mike and I are going to be getting after it in a big way. That's exciting. It's exciting to hear when you talk about the roles and responsibilities of somebody who's going to take on that task can't think of uh, better folks essentially attached to the hip or at least hooking and jabbing at that same fight. I have a lot of respect for, for Mike uh, and hearing some of the people that I respect talk the way that they do about Mike. You got yourself a great partner there. And I know that he doesn't just take anybody. He's had to prime the pump a few times to, to go and find cream of the crop too. So uh, that says a lot about you, George. So I, I really well, appreciate you. I really appreciate you, you know, taking the time. It's been a blessing to just talk through some of the things and I'll be sure next time I talk to somebody to not mention weight. Um, so sure <laughs> one so, last, one last knucklehead real quick. If you you're think, interviewing, yeah. if you're interviewing and you're a veteran, it's a very nerve wracking process. Do not eat Taco Bell or any other Tex-Mex before you go interview. Just a word to the wise. We could share the story at a later time. <laughs> or you can just be creative there for a second and complete the dots using your imagination. So, well, George, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you? I was at a boot and shooting event a little bit earlier today, told a couple of yeah. people who were actually uh, active duty military thinking of transitioning about this particular event. Uh, and so they may go, geez, Louise, what are some resources? How can I access somebody like a George or a, a Mike or this, this watch thing that he's talking about? How can, how can I get in touch with these people? Well, first, EFOverwatch.com. Absolutely. You know, get in touch with EF Overwatch. That's the best way. For me, find me on LinkedIn. The spelling of my name's a little different. It's like Candle except with an R. You can't miss me. Happy to connect with people on LinkedIn, especially veterans. Helpful to point them in the right direction. I've quit counting the number of vets that I've, I've talked with. I never get bored but I'm always available to help whomever I can to, to make this transition, make the journey. Or if you've already made the journey, hey, you know, what are you running into that you got to overcome? I'm happy to help in some way. So LinkedIn, EF Overwatch, you can get me both ways and, and happy to help. Well, I appreciate you. Well, fantastic. Hey, gentlemen and ladies, he just told you exactly how to get in touch with him. So really, it's on you. Uh, the, the whole principle of Knucklehead Podcast is based on the foundation that you got to go out there and be willing to go out and get you some wins. If you don't take the time to care about your life, nobody else is going to dictate that for you. Or if you allow them to, it's not going to work out the way you want it to. Trust me. And, uh, and Mike has been a, uh, an invaluable resource. George just gave you some specific information on how you can access potentially him or even just the, uh, the system or process that he had talked about. He got it from somewhere. I'm assuming that he's going to at least make that available to you. I appreciate you taking the time to go through some of that. Now you know how to get in touch with him. Obviously, if you like listening to the Knucklehead Podcast, you can come and check us out. We got a new episode coming every Tuesday. George told you how to get in touch with him. Do you believe in, in social media, George, other than other than LinkedIn, or, or is that the best way to touch base with you? LinkedIn, yeah, I hate to give away my age that it's still, you know, Facebook, you know, but I got kids and then now I'm on Instagram. Imagine I'll be up on Twitter at some point, but uh, you know, my daily inbox is about 350 on average some way. So I'm not looking for other avenues, LinkedIn is great. And it's, it's actually up on my other monitors. Probably what I live and die in as a, a leader of recruiting. So 
it's a great way. I appreciate that. Well, I mean, that's a, it's a great tool to learn how to use, right? And so those folks who, who need access and training on how to do that, LinkedIn does some very incredible things for veterans. Mm-hmm. They make tools, you know, that you got to pay for. They make available because they are part of that fight that, you know, that Mike and George are out there fighting. So anyway, George, we appreciate you taking the time. Any last parting thoughts that you want to leave these guys with? Otherwise, we're right at our time and I don't want to waste any of yours. I would tell you this. If you're transitioning, don't fear it. What made you successful in the military will make you wildly successful in the corporate world. Believe in you, know what makes you different, and the rest is gonna come. Be patient, drive hard, don't quit. It seems so practical and simple. It's some of the most profound things because when things get hard, and they will, because you will screw up and you will fail, you will end up with egg in your face at some point in time, you're gonna want to. That information, that advice is very applicable. We appreciate that. It's been my honor and pleasure, so thank you. Yeah, you bet.